Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So if you have your Bibles and you want to, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, if you will? I'll save our announcements for the end of our time together. Let's jump into the Scripture together because that's why we are here. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, we're going to focus on one verse in this passage. Uh, This is the end of our teaching series on Hebrews. And for those of you who love books, I think you'll get this. Once you spend time with a book, it almost becomes a friend. Now, if you're not into books, you probably don't understand that. But there are some books that I've spent so much time in, I just consider them to be companions on the journey. And that's a little bit of the way I feel about the book of Hebrews, having spent all summer and really for me most of this year in this book. But I want us to get the main point. In fact, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, the writer defines this as a word of exhortation, which is a word we don't use all that often. But if you look right in the middle of that word, it has the word hort in it, H-O-R-T, And we use it in the word horticulture. So the writer of Hebrews, he's just inviting us to grow Godward. In fact, seven times in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, draw near to God, draw near to God, draw near to God, draw near to God. The writer invites us to grow Godward. So today, we're only going to take one verse from this final chapter in Hebrews and it's verse 7. And this is a command. Actually, it's three commands that work together, and I'm going to invite you to go on this journey with me this morning. Remember your leaders who spoke the Word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So, you know what this is, right? It's a slinky. Actually, it was a naval engineer named Richard James in 1943. He was working to invent a spring for the U.S. Navy that when cargo shifted, they wouldn't bang up against one another. It failed miserably. But he knocked it accidentally off the table, and it began to walk across the room. And so Richard James had the idea in 1943 for this toy that probably most of you had growing up. In fact, if you ever owned a slinky, let me see your hand. How many of you are going to play with yours after church today? Raise your hand. Now, here's the thing I want you to know about the slinky that's just kind of interesting. There's 80 feet of wire in this one slinky. 80 feet. That's enough if you were to unspool it to go from the front row all the way to the back row. In other words, there's more here than what you think. So that's become my way of teaching a single verse in the Bible, like what we're going to look at today. Because it's easy just to run over that and to move on or to take this one verse and to expand it out and to say, there just might be more here than what you first expect. So let's walk through this verse together. Remember your leaders. We are forever remembering what we should forget and forgetting what we should remember. Let me say that again. We are forever remembering things that we should forget. How many of us can think about all the bad things and all the bad people that we've ever encountered in life? 
Those we don't have any problem remembering, but we should, in some ways, in many forms, forget those things because they're past and there's nothing we can do to change it. In fact, um, our minds are wired to solve problems. That's why some of us have a bent toward the negative because we're always looking into the future trying to fix potential problems that they're out there. But when you take that strength and apply it to the past, it becomes a weakness. And today you may be consumed with remembering the things that you should forget. And at the same time, it doesn't free up the bandwidth for you to, and we do this many times, we forget what we should remember. And so what does the writer of Hebrews say? You have a choice in what you think about. So remember your leaders. I want to make this very practical here for just a moment. I want you to obey this commandment this morning. That as we're sitting here and as we're talking, I want you to call to mind at least one person who has been a leader in your life. Somebody who has benefited you specifically, somebody who has been a benefit to your relationship with God. It could be a parent. I'm forever grateful for the integrity of my father. I'm forever grateful for the gentleness of my mother. Maybe it's a Sunday school teacher, a teacher from your past. Maybe it's a grandparent, a mentor, a friend. I want you to call a person to mind this morning who because they lived, you are now closer in a relationship with God. And here's what I want to do. Here in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to say that person's name out loud. I believe that memory is a way of worship. That when we call to mind something good and we thank God for it, it becomes a Hebrew, uh, it becomes a vehicle of worship. I don't know where the word Hebrew came for. It just popped into my head. Have you ever had that happen before? So this morning, I'm going to ask you just to say that name out loud. You don't have to say it super loud. Just to say it softly under your breath, acknowledging the gift of God that that person was to your life. Would you say their name out loud? One, two, three, go. Remember your leaders. So chances are the person you admire, you probably thought at one point or another that they just made life look easy. In fact, here's my favorite definition of leadership. It's Ron Heifetz. He, he says this, that leadership is disappointing people at a rate they can tolerate. Isn't that a good definition of leadership? It, leadership is disappointing people at a rate they can tolerate. Being a leader has never been easy, but I don't think it's ever been this hard. So when you look back and you remember your leaders, just know that life wasn't any easier for them than it is for you, and they took time to influence your life. So remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. So let's talk about those who speak God's word over our lives, okay? Sometimes they do it verbally, sometimes they do it non-verbally. Let's take the two Josephs in the Bible. The Old Testament Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery. The New Testament Joseph, who is the father of Jesus. So the Old Testament Joseph, we have a lot of his words. He said no to Potiphar's wife when she tried to seduce him. He said yes to helping a fellow prisoner in a time of need. He spoke the truth to Pharaoh, giving him some news that he didn't want to hear. And Joseph even spoke over his brother's forgiveness and telling them not to fight but to be unified. We have lots of words from the Old Testament Joseph, and he represented God well in front of others. The New Testament Joseph, 
Maybe you've never noticed this before. We don't have a single recorded word that the stepfather of Jesus ever said. Nothing. Not a single word. Every time he went to sleep, he had a dream and he received instructions from God. You know, you think after a while he'd just be afraid to go to sleep again. But God always guided him and he might have led, we don't know this for sure, not so much by his words, but by his actions. Listen, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. The people that we need most in our life to learn from are not those who have charisma. Now, charisma's fine, but we live in a day of influencers, and it's all about charisma. What we really need is not influencers. What we really need is leaders with character, that who they are in public and in private and who they are before God is the same person. That's the kind of person we should remember. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Why? Because as you remember their lives, and I'm asking you to do that today, as you remember their lives, you will be filled with fresh power, especially if life has worn you down. I would get alone with a notepad this afternoon. I would pull it out. I would write down all the positive, influential people in your life and just go through one at a time, remembering what they taught you and what you can learn from their lives. So 1968, Apollo 8 was getting ready to launch. And for the first time in human history, humans were going to circumnavigate the moon. The night before they launched, and the astronauts were quarantined, but they had a very special guest that night for dinner. Again, this is 1968, Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, uh, I think it's Anthony Anders with the three astronauts on Apollo 8. Their guest that night for dinner was Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh, 41 years earlier, had flown over the Atlantic Ocean. He was the first one to fly from New York to Paris nonstop. And get that, 41 years earlier, humanity was just crossing the ocean nonstop, and now we're going to the moon. And so I'm saying it we like I was a part of this. I was. Yeah. I mean, what a great technological leap. But these astronauts who were going to do the unprecedented had Charles Lindbergh as their hero. And so here he came for dinner that night. And they started doing math. And you know what they discovered? They discovered that the Saturn V rocket, when it lifts off, would burn 20 tons of fuel in the first second. The first second of launch, when it first inches off the pad, 20 tons of fuel to move that thing. That's 10 times the amount of fuel Charles Lindbergh needed to cross the entire Atlantic Ocean. He said, you will burn 10 times more fuel in the first second than I did on my entire flight. Listen, there's something about sitting with your mentors, sitting with your leaders, sitting with people who have inspired you and who have instructed you, even mentally, that adds fresh power to your life. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. So in this room, there's probably six, seven hundred people. All of us have multiple people to thank God for as an act of worship today. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Here's the second command. Consider the outcome of their way of life. So when you come across a really good leader, 
Study them. Watch them. See what makes them tick. See what you can learn from them. Consider deeply who they are. Now, please don't do this in a creepy way. You don't have to be staring somebody down, but watch a really good leader because it's instructive. And by the way, when you run across a bad leader too, instead of criticizing, why don't you say, okay, now I'm learning in terms of opposite what not to do. Here's the deal. Chances are that one or two of the leaders that you mentioned here, at least a few, they had no idea the impact that they had on your life. And does it make a difference that they knew or not? Well, maybe. But maybe you observed something in them that they never knew the impact. So two weeks ago, Ray Hildebrand passed away. Probably nobody here in this room knows the name Ray Hildebrand. I'm about to share it with you. Ray Hildebrand, back in the 60s, wrote one song that took him to national fame. Here's the song, Hey, Hey, Paula. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, he wrote that for a college roommate. And it went to number one on the charts. It was his, his one and only hit single as a recording artist. But what Ray Hildebrand didn't know is that years later, there would be a young girl being raised in Dallas, Texas. This young girl would become my wife. And by the way, her name is Paula. Hey, hey, Paula. And so every year on her birthday, her dad, who lived in another state, would call into a local radio station and would dedicate that song to my wife. And it would be the most special memory of her father that she would have, and he's been gone now for about a dozen years. Ray Hildebrand had no idea of the impact that he would have on one little girl's life. By the way, a few years ago, I have a mutual friend who knows Ray Hildebrand. And so he said, hey, Ray Hildebrand's gonna be in Tulsa. Would you and Paula like to meet him? And I said, nah. I said, are you kidding? Yes. And so I took my wife to Starbucks. She didn't know who she was going to meet, right? So we get to Starbucks, and we're ordering coffee, and, and I see Ray Hildebrand's guitar in the corner, and I'm, I'm kind of a very shy person. I was like, please don't let him sing to my wife here in Starbucks. That would be so embarrassing. But he's telling the story about writing the song, and all of a sudden, my wife is connecting the dots. And by the way, this is just before her birthday. The rest of you guys look pretty bad today in comparison to me, right? <laughs> So then we go over, we get our coffee, we sit down. Sure enough, he pulls out the guitar. I go, no, please. But then he sang the song to her very softly, and it's one of the most special things that I've ever seen. I think my wife fell in love with Ray Hildebrand that day instead of me, right? Happy birthday to Paula, right? Here's the deal. You never know the impact of what you will do. And maybe the people who are leaders over you, maybe they didn't realize their impact, and by the way, you might not realize the impact you have on somebody else. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, I want to be very careful here. It doesn't say duplicate their faith. Okay? One of my mentors, in fact, we were talking about him in my pastor's coffee this morning, um, Calvin Miller. He was uh, interim pastor here at one point, very influential in my seminary days and growing up and in what I do as a pastor. The first time I heard Calvin speak, 
I looked across the room and I said, I don't know how to do that, but that's what I want to learn how to do. I don't know how to communicate to that level, but I want to learn that. And I saw the way Calvin interacted with people. And so I set out to imitate his faith. The mistake I made early on was in my early preaching at my small little church in East Texas, I tried to preach like Calvin. I tried to use his mannerisms and his words and all of that. My wife said, you need to get past that really quick because that's just not you. And I had to take the best of what I saw in Calvin and I had to imitate, not duplicate who he was. I had to find my own voice. Take what you've learned from your leaders and then find your way of doing it. But now I also need to mention this. There are leaders that you have had that ultimately have disappointed you. I think all of us can look around our lives and see a spiritual leader that we've had that has fallen, either through a sex scandal or a money scandal or just giving up on the faith. In fact, on the other end of Calvin Miller is another mentor that was a mentor to both me and my wife. And this person today is very, very far from God. And it would be easy to be disappointed in that person. And it would be easy to be disillusioned with God because of that person. But listen, it says to imitate their faith, not idolize their faith. Listen, you will have people that will disappoint you, people who have the reputation and the character for following God they might fall off their pedestal, but here's what we need to make sure we're doing. We're not following a human leader, that we are following the ultimate leader, Jesus Christ. And that's why it says in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I were to put a bow on this this morning, and I'm going to give us a couple of applications here, kind of ask the so what question. But if I were to give a very simple application, I would sum it up like this. In the worst of times, we need to be the best of people. As followers of Jesus, we need to decide that in the worst of times, we will be the best of people, not because of who we are or our own ability, but because who Christ is in and through us. And so here's a couple of applications that I would give you. First of all, be grateful for the leaders that you've had. In fact, I would even encourage you, if that mentor, if that person who influenced you, if that person who helped your life is still alive, today, not tomorrow, today you pick up a phone, today you pull out a note card, today you open up a text message, and you say thank you. And in fact, one month before Calvin Miller died, just on the spur of the moment, I can tell you where I was parked out in the parking lot. I just picked up a phone, just gave him a quick ring. And I said, listen, Calvin, I know you're going to live forever, but I just want you to know the impact you've had on my life. Thank you. At the end of that conversation, he mentioned a surgery that was coming up about a month later. And that's a surgery from which he would not wake up. I never regretted making that phone call. Say thank you. Be grateful. If that person who you love and respected and admired is already with the Lord, you thank God for them today. Listen, I don't know what awareness those who are dead in Christ have of what's happening here, 
but I know that you will be saying thank you to the ultimate source of that person's goodness. Thank you, God, for the people who have been influential in our lives. And then here's the ultimate application. As I read Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. We think of other people behind us. I sure hope to God the people sitting here 20 years from now or 40 years from now or people living decades from now will look back on us with gratitude. So not only should we be grateful for those who have come before us, we need to get on with it in being people of character in our day and our time in the worst of times to be the best of people. Let me read this so I don't mess this up. Raymond Edmond was dying of typhus fever at the age of 25 in the jungles of Ecuador. His doctor was a specialist in tropical diseases and he had advised Raymond's wife to start preparing for his funeral. Men were making his coffin. Edith, the wife, was busy dyeing her wedding dress black. But that same day, 3,000 miles north of Ecuador, in Attleboro, Massachusetts, Raymond's uncle, Joe, became deeply and inexplicably troubled. He knew nothing of his nephew's actual predicament, but couldn't shake the sense that he was in some kind of grave danger. So this Uncle Joe, who was attending a conference at the time, felt so stirred that he persuaded its 200 delegates to join him in urging intercession for Raymond to be, quote, delivered from evil, even though none of them knew the nature of the evil that they were fighting. The conference rose up and they prayed so fervently that years later, many of those present still recalled the intensity of it. Consumed with a sense of imminent danger, they fasted from lunch, continued interceding until the middle of the afternoon, at which point a peace settled on them. The sense of danger subsided. Somehow they knew that their prayers had been heard that Raymond Edmond, far away in Ecuador, had been delivered. Meanwhile, Raymond had fallen into unconsciousness and in his comatose, comatose state became aware of a loving presence slowly entering the room, rising from the ground to the level of his bed and eventually filling the building. I experienced a sweet sense of the love of God in Christ, such as I had never known before in all my years of life, he recalled. It was sufficient to say that I had no fear of dying. He felt himself ascending with great joy until a quiet voice told him to return. To the amazement of those preparing for his funeral, Raymond Edmund regained consciousness, was completely healed. In later life, he would become the president of Wheaton College, and he would mentor a young man there by the name of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham said this, We will never know the full evaluation of his life and ministry until we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But still I have to say that Raymond Edmond was the most unforgettable Christian I have ever met. This makes for a good story for someone else. This should be our stories as well that we become the most unforgettable Christian 
that somebody meets and that at the worst of times, we would be the best of people because of who Christ is in us and who we can be in Christ. Let's stand together and let's pray together. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.